Welcome to the Smart Women of Business podcast. We've got big ideas for small business. Hello and welcome to the Smart Women in Business podcast. Today I'm chatting with Tanya Goranitis. Tanya is a professional organiser, interior stylist and mum of two who specialises in working with women to enlist their home as an antidote to stress and a tool for self-care. Tanya is passionate about reducing waste, making money go further and creating beautiful spaces for the important things in life. Welcome, Tanya. Yay. Thank you, Jane. <laughs> yeah. Very happy to have you here. So tell me, please, about your business journey. Okay, so my business journey, like I would imagine, is the same for many women that will be listening to this podcast. Mine started when I was a child doing the things that came naturally to me and doing the things that I love to do which for me at the age of six is rearranging my bedroom. <laughs> now, not so much a fan of cleaning my bedroom, although it was um, family rules that we do it every Saturday, which is still rules I apply today with my own family. Cleaning, not great, but when it came to beautification of my space, I was right there. Now, imagine I'm six years old, I'm seven, I'm eight, I'm nine, and I go to my friend's house and all I want to do is clean and tidy their bedroom, right? So their parents loved me because Tanya came over. Tanya was just like really curious about what's in the room, what can we do? Oh, that should be moved there. I can make this look better. We need to move this bed. This is what I've been doing uh, because I just love it and it was a natural skill. So... For me, making a room be the best it can be uh, started very young. And I kind of thought that was normal. I thought that was what everybody did. Turns out not. So I come from a long line of brilliant, capable, creative women who could make a room look beautiful by rubbing two sticks together. You know, we're talking my grandmother through the the war and the post-war era of um, the UK. My mum as a brilliant single parent working very, very hard. Um, our place always looked great because we just knew how to do it instinctively. Uh, so optimising a space to make a home, like, you know, not just a house, not where we put ourselves and we're not busy, but a home that reflects who we are and makes our life easier and more comfortable, that's been with me since day dot. Um, fast forward, you know, I've moved house actually more than 30 times in my life. More yeah. than me. Not many people have more, yeah. moved more than me. But I've lost count. I, I cannot remember. I think I'm around the mid-30s. Now, I'm 39. I just turned 39. So that's practically a house a year, right? I moved a lot. So I got really, really good at working out what was important, how to pack, how to organise, mm -hmm. how to store, what was worthy of coming with me to the next house. And then I loved unpacking. Like, Moving house meant I have a fresh room to decorate, which was always exciting. That was the benefit. That was the carrot at the end of that process for me. But, you know, imagine that I'm in my 20s. I'm working in customer service. I become a customer service manager and a, a trainer. And I discover I love training. I love presenting to groups. I love imparting knowledge. I love seeing excitement coming from people when light bulbs are going off and you go oh you know I actually really got a, a big buzz out of training and that's something I still love doing today which is why I do a lot of um, workshops little workshops um, then I moved from the big city I moved from Melbourne out to regional Australia 
I have babies. Um, and suddenly my career trajectory is completely different. I've gone from corporate ladder, Melbourne, um, fulfilling my um, potential to twiddling my thumbs at home. My self-care goes down. And the amount of money we have in our household goes down from a double income to a single income. And I'm not looking after myself. It's all about the kids. And I'm shopping at Kmart and I'm just not taking care. You <laughs> Kmart know, special. Not treating myself as a quality person. And my home doesn't reflect that I'm a quality person. And I'm not using my skills and I'm not being creative. And not being creative is very blocking for me because I've always been creative. Um, and so it gets to the point where the kids are just old enough. So we're talking, you know, toddlers and, and beyond. My daughter's in kinder. My son's a couple of years old. I'm like, I need to do something. I've got to be creative. I've got to express myself. I've got to do something useful. So I've got a craft label. Now, if you can cast your mind back, there was a really big online craft movement mm. that happened because of Facebook. Mm. Um, and when Facebook introduced business pages, suddenly all of these tiny little makers had this amazing opportunity to market their product to a big audience mm. that was extended beyond their small, you know, local environment. And I was actually one of the first crafting pages um, to utilise that opportunity. And I built, you know, a pretty big following and a pretty big page. And then I started blogging around the craft industry. I started, I, I wrote a very, very popular and well-shared blog post around um, not copying each other's work and actually finding your own unique voice and um, building your own your own design sense and your own design style and respecting the work of other women um, because it was a real problem in that industry at the point of people just outright copying other people's work. And so I became a voice um, to say, let's have a bit of sensible approach to this. And I thought, I really like being a leader. It suits my personality type. I can have a positive impact on people, you know, hearkening back to my training background. I really liked doing that. Um, so I ran my craft label for six years and then I realised I wanted to be more than a crafter. I wanted to be a designer. I wanted to go from here to here and take the big leap. So I closed my craft business down at the height of its popularity and I started studying. I enrolled in design at the Institute of, uh, no, at ISCD, so the International School of Colour and Design and I studied around my kids for two and a half years and I got my cert for in design. I loved it. I just loved it. And the idea was for me to become an interior designer. So that was where my business was, was heading. I wanted to go back to doing rooms back like when I was a child. It was always my passion. Very quickly, though, I realised that just putting pretty cushions down wasn't enough for me. It felt too superficial. And I love a beautiful room. But I couldn't bridge the gap between I wanted to do more deeper work. I wanted to do something that was truly transformational and just a bit of decorating just didn't cut the mustard with me. And then three resources came across my consciousness that completely revolutionised what I was going to do with my business. The first was the, the KonMari book, so the life-changing magic of tidying up when I was first introduced to professional organising as, as um, an industry. There was a person that was doing this and being paid. Wow. The second resource was I found a TED Talk by The Minimalists, which opened up my mind to the concept of less is more. And then the third was the 
uh, well, on YouTube, it was called The Story of Stuff, and it's about basically where the stuff we have comes from um, and how we're using up these finite resources. And it really opened up my mind to, oh, we're really killing the earth mm-hmm. and we need to be doing better and we need to be educating and finding better ways of doing things. So those three things combined, they all came across me at the same time and I went, this is the direction my business needs to go in, which is why now I'm a combination of professional organising, which is both discarding, decluttering and organising, mm-hmm. and then also... Um, then consciously and deliberately creating a home space for a person to match that person and what they need. But there's now a whole lot of coaching that happens because I deeply understand now the emotional reasons why we are the way we are in our homes. Mm. And it's very painful for people to let go. There's history, there's bad memories, there's good memories. Uh, And so now I really see myself as a holistic coach for the home environment. I call myself a mindful home coach, which has a very broad range of services that I bring to the table, whether it's a lot of decluttering or a little bit, a lot of styling or a little bit, a lot of talking about why things they are. So today it's so much bigger and deeper and fulfilling and real than what I first imagined. So that's the journey of my business. (laughs) Started when you were born. (laughs) But you talk about... um how you came across those resources in terms of KonMari. And Tanya does have a group where we talk about decluttering um, and it's been really interesting and eye-opening for me. And anytime I do any decluttering, I'm like, Tanya will be so proud of me. <laughs> so what were the signs other than these, uh, these things, not things, but intangible things coming into your consciousness, mm-hmm. that it was time to change how you've grown and taken those big leaps? Um, because sometimes we do restrict ourselves in business by our own self-limiting beliefs or not believing we're good enough or and and to take those great leaps especially when you know we're not sitting there going through a performance review and people saying right you've got to step up you know these are your kpis for the next year so for you you know how did you know it was time to to really knuckle down and change there are a couple of things Um, when it came to the depth of the work that I was doing, that was very much guided by my inner voice. Mm -hmm. So when I drown out the noise of everybody else's opinions and everything I'm reading on social media and what other people are doing and what they're not doing, but I just drown all of that out and I just sit with who I am as a human being because who I am in my business is who I am as a human being and I feel Mm -hmm. like this is genuinely my life's work. I could not imagine doing anything else. You know, it could be easy to do a lot of other things. <laughs> I don't want easy. I want genuine. I want real deep transformational change. So when I listen to my inner voice, every time I hit a brick wall, and boy, I've hit so many emotional brick walls, it's not funny. Um, the little voice inside my head, no matter what, just said, just keep going. Just keep going. Every single time. It's just three words. Just keep going. You got this. Just keep going. And I've had to overcome a lot of emotional challenges, um, as we mean, as many of us do. But that little voice, the, the core of who I am and what my motivation is to do this work is the loudest. It, no, it's, it's the quietest, but it's the strongest, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's the first thing. What I did realise living regionally quite quickly is that um, my ideal client doesn't necessarily live where I live. Mm. there are people here for sure and I do love working one-on-one in homes with people where I can reach them from a you know a location point of view but I learned very quickly that to 
reach the amount of people I want to reach, to help the amount of people I want to help, um, I needed to utilize, you know, the internet. <laughs> you know, yes. I needed to let my voice go wide and far. Um, so it was, you know, the challenges of living where I live. You know, it's one of those things where something that is a challenge is actually a gift. I find that when there's a problem and something doesn't happen easily, when I have to really think about it and push and, and plan and strategize, the outcome is so much better. Mm. So I've been working over the last 12 months to expand my business beyond my regional location to create a national audience and create digital projects, uh, products and, and other ways of working with people like coaching via, you know, Skype or, Skype or Zoom. Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was literally the, the restriction of where I live is actually what pushed me to go bigger and further than I had initially intended to do and I'm really pleased about that. The internet is a gift oh. <laughs> for us living regionally as we both do yeah. um, and, and that was part of why I started this project was I wanted to tell the stories of not just the women who are in the cities but the women who are regionally and, and Often our stories don't get told because we don't get to conferences and we don't get to events. So, yes, um, I, I mean, obviously my entire business is online, but it's funny because when I do things like um, my online program, most of the people who are in that know me already. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting how you can amplify your voice through the internet, but you've got to have the confidence to be able to do that. Confidence is huge. and Massive. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, a whole separate conversation about how to deal with criticism on the internet. Um, <laughs> how do you manage your life? I know you have two kids as an entrepreneur and, and all the other things that go with being a woman in 2018. Yeah. Well, I'm a professional organiser, so <laughs> I'm organised. Um, I have some strategies in place. I, I should say that my husband works one and a half jobs, so he works full-time in shift work and then he's in the army reserve on top of that. So that's already challenging enough as it is. Two kids with very active lifestyles. Um, we don't do too much. I don't pull too much after-school activities on them because mm. they get too tired. So they just, they twice a week they have something they need to show up at. Um, we try and have some rest time in and around that. Um, one of the things that I do is on a Saturday morning, I sit down, I have my breakfast, and then I, out comes the diary, out comes the husband's roster, out comes some pieces of paper where I do the weekly menu and the shopping list. And so on Saturday, it's all about prepping for the week. Who's got to be where? Who's doing what? What shifts are happening? Um, okay, then what sort of food do I need to be making? Getting that on the, doing the food shop, coming back, and then spending a couple of hours batch cooking. Mm. And if I don't do that, by Thursday, I'm exhausted, I'm overwhelmed, and the quality of the food that we're eating as a family starts to go down because I'm looking for the easy way out. Um, but And it's costing us money, you know, that costs mm. us more money. So it's the greatest gift to myself to spend half an hour to an hour on a Saturday and just write, what does this week look like? Because ne no two weeks look the same. They are vastly different from week to week some weeks i'm just on my computer some weeks i'm in a client's home every day of the week some weeks just you know i've got radio interviews coming up i'm delivering workshops soon i'm going off to sydney for a conference every week is drastically different this is always the same this allows me to have structure around that um so that's important a husband who is understanding and supportive and we communicate around what's going on um is important for me as well um i'm still the primary carer 
So mm. I'm the default child. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and I do carry, you know, the mental load of the household. That's yeah. okay. I prefer it that way. I like to be the one in charge. Um, my husband works very, very hard mm. and contributes hugely. He actually does, I'm incredibly blessed, he does all the clothes washing. I mean, every, I, apparently I don't do it well enough, right? <laughs> Oh well. Oh, well, you do it then. That's fine. I, I have good standards, but not quite good enough. So um, I'm very lucky that he takes care of all of that. And, you know, he's just as likely to do the dishes and sink than I am. Um, mm. Very hands-on dad, and so that helps me immensely. But I have to manage my time very carefully with a long-term view over a few weeks. You know, I've got a diary, and you know, if, you know, if you have a look at my diary here, you'll see that it's all color-coded. So I know that purple is work stuff and yellow is family stuff and pink is when I'm working out because if I don't schedule it, I will not exercise because it's too easy to go on, too busy, got too much. So scheduling and knowing what's coming up and planning for it and batch cooking and communicating with my husband, that's how I get it done. <laughs> get it done. Get it done. And yeah. realising too, but they say that people overestimate what they can do in a year but underestimate what they can do in 10 I've definitely learned that in business. I have so many things I want to do. Mm -hmm. I've got to be super selective about what I actually do and what's going to be the biggest payoff at the end, you know, mm -hmm. the highest level of service I can provide, the best quality digital product I can put out there or the workshop that people are actually desperately in need mm -hmm. of. And because I can't do all the things that I can't be all the things to all the people all the time. So I've got to go with where I think is going to have the best effect. Mm. And the greatest impact. Exactly. And that's where those creating those digital products and creating those leverage scalable products are so important, for, especially for online people like us who are, deliver a service. So for us to go from having that one-on-one -on -one model to that leverage and scale model is what transforms your business from 100%. burning yourself out to I can do this in a calm way. So that. For me, that's been a real game changer. And for you, you put out lots of products and, and content and good work. When it comes to that too, I mean, the lesson I've heard loud and clear and have implemented and they're right is batching my work. You yeah. know, so I recently opened up a YouTube channel um, and I, you know, I, the first day back this term when the, the kids went back to school. Oh, praise that happy day. <laughs> I just went right and I recorded seven videos mm. in that day and then the next day I edited them all and then I queued them all up inside um, YouTube to go out every Friday and then I queued them all up inside MailChimp to, to be shared at the same time every Friday. Friday and then I queued them all up on Facebook to go out at the same time and so I had seven weeks of video content that I had prepared probably over a three-day period all up ready to go so now on a friday night i'm sitting on the couch with my family and i'm looking on my phone going, oh my video's out Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so, um that is definitely the plan for me moving forwards batch 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 as mm. much it's just so much more efficient use of my time i'm looking at these school holidays which are coming up in a couple of weeks as the rest of the year plan plan all that content and then hit it at that first week and get it done i mean obviously with these interviews that's not always possible but I have a lot of other content that I need to put out as well that's not getting done at the moment because I am so busy yeah and I didn't plan it so now I'm like I can't and and I was talking to Christine yesterday and we were talking about um 
jumping from topic to like task to task is really inefficient when you can batch yes your content creation even if it's your social media scheduling your writing your videos even just your planning and just sit there and do it for a solid few hours you get so much more done than I'll spend 10 minutes every day doing that like I do Pinterest I schedule my Pinterest sort of three months in advance. Yeah. And that's brilliant. One, one concept that I recently um, had explained to me, it's one of those things that you kind of know, but until someone puts it into words that you can remember and grab onto, um, you don't really manage it properly. Um, it was explained to me, don't try and build too many bridges at once. Build one bridge at a time. Mm. So if you're trying to write a book and an online course and a digital product, a product, you can't build all those, all those bridges at once because mm. none of them will be done fully and completely and properly. So if you're building a sales funnel, build one sales funnel with one product and get that working 100% mm. beginning to end, you know, with all your email marketing follow-up and, you know, all the things that go around whatever you're doing. Do it all, do it properly, do it once, then move on to your next bridge. Mm. And it's another analogy I like to think about is the spinning plates on a stick. You know, you can't, you've got to start with one spinning plate, get that working, then you can put up your second spinning plate. Mm. So mm. that has helped me to go, okay, you can't do all the things, just choose one thing, mm. do that thing, do it well, then move on. And that's really helped me. You don't end up in that place of complete overwhelm as well, where you feel like you're letting not only yourself down, but all your clients. You need to, I mean, I get to the point, especially at this time of the year, where I go, right, that's it, I'm not taking on any more clients because I can't maintain that level of customer service. And you need to, it takes a little while to work it out, but you need to know what you can comfortably achieve yeah. in your business and have a home life and have friends and be a daughter and, and yeah. all of those other things that we do. And you need to work out what that level is for yourself and stick to that. Yes. Because otherwise you just go into overwhelm and stress and then nothing gets done. And you need to show up in your best version of you in all of those places. Mm. Well, certainly I believe that women like us, that that's an important driver and important mm. benchmark of success. Mm. But we're showing up and doing our best work. If we're doing too much, we can't be doing our best work. If we're not organised and scheduled, we can't be doing our best work. If we're not batching, we probably can't be mm. doing our best work. Mm. So all of those things really matter for the bigger picture outcome. Mm. And, and as you say, it's, it's the 10 years' time or the five years' time, not just getting through the next month. Didn't it's this year so much. evaporate? Like I do not. <laughs> I know. Every year I get older. It's quicker. And I understand mm. it because it's, you know, the percentage of my lifetime that one represents gets smaller and smaller as I age. But I think, you know, when you're head down, bum up, working on something you're passionate about, the year goes in what feels like maybe three months. Mm. I feel like that's, I feel like I've had three months of this year and, you know, it's, are we in September? Almost. Mm, almost. September. Yeah, I, I don't. But I would rather have that experience than be sitting on the couch wondering what mm. I should be doing with my life because mm. I know exactly what I'm doing <laughs> with my life and that's uh, a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. Mm. And it, 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 it's, it's a privilege. It is a privilege because so many people don't ever work out what their thing is. Mm. And or they do and yeah, they're too scared. Too scared to follow it, which I get. I get that. I totally get that. Um, so not only do I know my thing, um, but I back myself 100% to go and get it. That's not mm. an easy process. It's a long road. It is. Long road. And, and another thing that I've learned too is that, you know, you climb the mountain, you think, I'm just going to make this digital product and then everything will be okay. 
So you make the digital product and a handful of your friends read it and they go, this is brilliant. And you go, fantastic. And then you put it out there and then you hear crickets because you actually haven't thought about marketing it properly. And like, okay, that's a fresh mountain to climb. So mm-hmm. you climb that mountain and you work out what the pain points are and the language that your clients are using and where they're hanging out and talking about it and how you can communicate it to them without seeming salesy because you genuinely just want to help. Mm-hmm. And then there's another whole problem, like the tech support. So there's another mountain to climb. <laughs> and it just doesn't stop. And, and, and that, that is something I've realised that I go, right, I'm just going to get this one thing done and then yeah. everything will calm down. Yeah. And it never does. No. But, you know, I might get bored if I did. <laughs> <laughs> but I think by the time you're like 10 mountains in, you turn around and you look back and you go, wow, mm-hmm. I've learnt so much, I've done so much, I've changed, I've improved, I've refined. Uh me two years ago would be super proud of where I'm at right now. Mm. And that's that's the reflection that you need to do when you work by yourself mm. is go think about where you were two years ago yeah. and look at what you've done. Like look at how much you've achieved. And um, we talk about, I talk about metrics with my coaching clients and, you know, money's an easy metric to measure. Have a look at how many clients you've put through. I think, you know, have a look at, I mean, for me, I look at how many sites I build in a year or how many branding clients I have. And it's just... The growth is incredible, but unless you sit there and you reflect on that, you're just always just trying to get stuff done. My husband said to me the other day, you have, you're just on fire at the moment. I went, am I? Oh, I'm just, I'm just trying to get my work done. You're just doing your thing. I'm just yeah. doing my thing. And, and I enjoy it, so it's not like a slog. So one of my dearest and oldest friends rang me the other day and she said, Tanya, I want to start a blog. What website do I go on? I went, oh, back it up, back it up. What are you trying to achieve? Mm. Like, what's your motivator? What's the, you don't even want to start thinking about platforms until you know what you're actually trying to do. And an hour later, I had scared the pants off her, but also inspired her and said to her, you got this girl, you can do it. But can I just tell you, it's the most difficult journey. Being an entrepreneur and being an online entrepreneur is not quick money. No, you just not quick money (laughs) and you have to really truly believe in what you're doing and why you're doing it otherwise you will give up two two months into the process because you will realize you've got to be in for the long haul Mm -hmm. but when you get to the place that you're going it's so incredibly fulfilling and success for me is not just measured in money it is how many lives have I changed how do Mm -hmm. I feel internally about the work that I've done am Mm -hmm. I showing up in, in the best version of myself, all of those sorts of things. That's what success looks like for me. And so she was like, okay, yes, you have scared me, but also I'm excited at the same time. And when I heard all of the advice I gave her for like an hour, like I brain dumped what's taking me five, six years to build. I brain dumped sort of all the headlines down for her. I was like listening to myself like a third party going, wow. Look at me go. I know a lot now. <laughs> I wish I had me five years ago to mm. kind of, you know, save a lot of time. Um, and so I'm more than happy to sort of coach and mentor her through those sections that I already know to save her years of, of work. Mm. Um, but also impressed myself at how much I had learned. <laughs> yeah. Gave yourself a pat on the back. Yeah. Because you need to be able to also acknowledge that I'm doing well. I like to go, right, if I achieve this, I'm going to do this thing. Like I'm going to go and get a massage or I'm going to buy myself a new fancy notebook or just those little micro awards to go you know what you're doing well you've done well 
and just off, working my butt off. <laughs> Ideally, I'd go. I'm going on a cruise, but I've got too much work you to do go. Like on. Cruise. I've not done the cruise. I love you the cruise. Inspired me for a cruise. <laughs> um, I'm very excited. For me, my reward is I'm off to the Institute of Professional Organisers two-day conference in a couple of weeks and one-day expo in Sydney. So I am me, footloose and fancy free, no husband, no oh, children. alone. Sydney for three days um, with my tribe, with my people. It's going to be probably the most intellectually stimulating three days of my life, well, at least this year. Um, I'm, I'm, these are women I'm connected to online that I spend a lot of time talking to in a closed Facebook group, you know, for our, um, for our industry. And I feel like I know them, but I can't wait to meet them. Mm. I'm sharing an Airbnb apartment with one of them. So I've got a buddy for the week, you know, and I have to say this, the industry that I'm in um, attracts the most beautiful, intelligent, caring, genuine women. And I'm very proud to be a member of that group and I cannot wait to be immersed in information sharing um, for two days with people that get what I do yeah. and yeah um, that's my reward uh, for me but that's because I wake up thinking about business I go to sleep thinking about business I wake up at 4 a.m thinking about business yeah. yeah if I have spare time my brain is on my business because I genuinely care about it so my reward is to to go to Sydney for three days on my own and be with my people yay I'm going to CopyCon next year apparently yay Kate with Kate gorgeous Kate (laughs) (laughs) yes that was a fun day um so (laughs) what does a great day in the office or out of the office as was pointed out to me yesterday look like for you what's your favorite way to spend a day in business you know you know the Myers-Briggs um, personality assessment? I'm borderline introvert, extrovert. Me too. Are you? I'm actually technically an introvert, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, when I do the test sometimes, it's just one sign, it's just the other sign. Sometimes it says we can't tell, you're a bit. Um, so as I said, every day looks different for me and I actually love that because mm. some days all I want is to be at my computer doing something mm. and I'm, I've got the music going and I'm in the zone and I'm, and I'm designing a product or I'm setting up a sales funnel or I'm batching something and I'm happy. I'm in my little happy place. Sometimes all I want is to get out and be with a client, you know, personal shopping, dressing a room, photographing some work I've just done. I need, I need it all. I need the balance. I need the the variety. So for me, it's not a single day. It's the week or the month where there was a lot of different things happening. You know, the, the extrovert in me comes out when I'm leading a workshop or when I'm leading a client or coaching a client, my extroverted self comes out. But that extroverted self needs a rest. Mm. And that's when I'm at my computer and I'm recharging my batteries. I really like my own company. I really like great music and doing the work I love doing the work but it has to be balanced with connecting with people leading people inspiring people um it ha- I need all of it I'm all the things I'm, all the things. I'm a hermit I just sit in my office through my, my code yeah. no I love being out um you know in the main street of our of our town and I know the shop owners you know they know me we have a working relationship i walk in they go hey tanya how you going i go this is my client you know here are some beautiful things and this is going to work for you and i love that just as much as being at my desk 
I don't, I don't get to buy anything as part mm. of my work except fonts generally. People <laughs> 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 go, don't you get bored? I'm like, oh, I, I, I love it. It's you're not for everyone. You're designing, right? Yeah, I'm designing stuff, yeah. making it look pretty. That's, um, that's all my kids think I do is make pretty pictures, but, you know. They'll learn one day when they're older. Yeah, Indigo reckons she's going to get a free website out of me, so I like the way, I like her sass. She is entrepreneurial already. She is. She's like, you'll design my website for me, Mum. So um, we've talked about batching um, and we've talked about the different ways you do your things. So what tools, do you have any tools you use like Asana or Trello or? No, I've tried them all and I've found that trying to manage my time with a digital product does not work for me. I am old school. Yeah, I have a notebook. My diary. And I used to have a notebook. but I found that that was cumbersome. So I literally, I have a piece of A4 paper and I'll probably just say what I have to do this week, what I have to do next week, what I have to do by the end of the month. You know, I kind of structure it like that. And then I prioritise. So number one next to what's the must be done today, you know, and and work backwards. Um, I find that sometimes the simplest tools and the most old-fashioned tools are the best. I've tried Trello and uh, no, it just didn't work for me. I need a Mm. pen. And a piece of paper, paper and my diary, um, and, and that's really all I need. One thing that I do like um, is I just print out, I don't think I can see it quickly, um, just um, a month to a page um, calendar page. So I just mm. print it off so I can look at my whole month as a whole and then often colour code, that's workshops, um, that's when I'm in with a client, you know, and so, you know, sometimes I need a bigger vision than just the week page that I've got in my diary. So that's when the big baby comes out and I'll, I'll use that to also say, oh, okay, well this week is, you know, international women's week. So I need to do something on that. Or this week is, oh, you know, this is clean out your fridge day. Cause there's such a thing as clean out your fridge day. So I need to do something on that. So there I'll, is clean out your fridge. Day. There is clean out your fridge day. Um, so I need to, you know, I often do that. I don't always get to those things. There might be more important things happening at the time, but if I do that at the start of the year and then if I'm looking for content ideas, often I can go there and go, oh, there yep. we go. That's Sorted. a topic. Yeah. yeah. Topical topic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I, I still use Excel for my books because yeah, I don't I do need use, an app. I do use Myob because numbers are not my thing. Now, this is the thing. I believe in hiring your weakness and my weakness is numbers. I'm okay with them and I manage the household budget. But when it comes to tax and business level stuff, I just use Myob and I've got the monthly subscription. Um, and then at tax time, which is now, like I say to my tax Yay. agent. There you go. Yeah, it's all categorised. Yeah. There you go. I run my own website. So I have a Squarespace website. So that's an essential tool. Um, mm. I have... Um, else do I have to pay for all the time? I'm always paying little bills for stuff. Yeah, plan, <laughs> grum, um, and they add up. So you you do need to rationalise those things. Click funnels. Um, I've just moved across to Active Campaign from Mailchimp. Um, so I have done some actual upgrades this year with the services that I use. Um, leaving the free level of stuff and going into the paid level of stuff because it's time. Mm-hmm. You know, it is the time has come to do that and. Um, build things out better structurally so I'm having to do less things at the time and it's all kind of ticking away in the background for me. Mm. And which is that automation. Automation, yeah. Is what we all need to do in our businesses if we're online entrepreneurs because if you're there every day trying to manage 
every single thing, you're never going to get any actual work done. Correct. Because <laughs> it is extremely time consuming. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm, I'm hearing you there. I'm... <laughs> so one of the things I affects every entrepreneur I know is imposter syndrome, which, you know, those negative days. So what are your methods to overcome? How do you respond to the bad days in business? Because we all have them, people, despite what our Instagram feeds look like. Yeah. 100% um, definitely have suffered from imposter syndrome. And, in fact, I had a situation with um, somebody in business that didn't go well. And they had more experience and they had more um, influence. And the working relationship that we built fell over. And I blamed myself unfairly I blamed myself and it knocked me on my bum big time like I'm talking borderline into depression didn't leave the couch for six weeks like it threw me for a loop and I came very close to closing my business but that little voice I was telling you about wouldn't shut up <laughs> and it just said just keep going just keep going you got this just keep going and so I've just read Brene Brown's Daring Greatly if you've not read it, any woman in business, this is, I'm prescribing that you read this book. If you're a mum, if you're in business, those are two places we need to show up. And if you don't know Brene, she's a shame researcher. It's fascinating. And a lot of the work that I do is around shame, actually, because, you know, the reasons why people are in clutter brings shame and all those sorts of things. So it's something I really need to understand. And having read it, I can now put words to where I was when I was suffering that imposter syndrome. And in fact, someone had tried to manipulate me by using shame. And I let them at the time because I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was. And then it came to a point where I was like, well, either you give up your dream or you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and get on with it. Mm. And I so believe in what I do and I believe in my skills. Like I know that I transform people's homes and therefore their lives. And I've had that feedback time and time again from clients. Who am I to not then continue to offer that when people are in need? You know, people come to me in very high states of um, distress, especially you know, if they're hoarders or if they're borderline hoarders or even if they've just got a lot of stuff and they just don't know what to do about it. They're in distress. I have the skill set to help them. Mm. And I do it in a very loving, gentle supportive non-judgmental way and i'm literally the only person around my area that does that mm. you know just looking at, at in-home service so i knew deep down that i was passionate about what i wanted to do that there was no one else that could do what i do in the way that i do it and that it's a worthwhile piece of work that they do and so that coupled with that little voice inside my head inside my head just said pick yourself up dust yourself off and just keep showing up every day just a little bit. And slowly, 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 I climbed back on top, you know, from, yeah. from really being flattened by that experience. And now I, I now am grateful for that experience because it gave me strength and a perspective and I realised that I'm really worthwhile doing what I do and the work is worthy and that that little imposter syndrome it doesn't exist for me anymore wow. it, it actually allowed me to squash it because i had to really battle it 
Like I really had to get in the ring with it. And um, I won. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad that I didn't let someone else squash my flame. Mm. Mm. Because it's interesting that you mentioned shame because I've never thought about it from that perspective because so often as a woman I I go, oh, don't come to my house because I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old and they like to craft um, and have Lego all through the house, I feel ashamed about that. And I was like, I shouldn't feel ashamed about that. No. No, it's my home. I can do with it as I please. It's clean. (laughs) It's just really messy. (laughs) And I work a lot, um, often at weekends. So, you know, and it's, yeah, that shame thing comes up a lot for women. And with the work that you do, Yes. There is so much emotion that goes with Literally. stuff. Yes. How stuff. Yeah, it's and what just... we make it mean and why we're locked in having the stuff that we have. We don't have enough consciousness around it. We just have the stuff we've always had because it's the stuff we've always had. We don't think about it. Um, we don't give ourselves permission to stop and reassess and then curate and let go of the things that are holding us down. And we have these stories connected to things. And then we think that if we let something go, we're disrespecting it or we're disrespecting the story. We don't let people come to our houses because we're in in shame. So if someone's calling me, there's a huge amount of trust that they are Mm. putting in me very quickly because I'm coming into their home Mm. and they don't yet know me. You know, they might know me a little bit from my online presence, um, and so I'm very, very quick to communicate that um, there is zero judgment. I'm just here to provide you with relief. And, and if they're reaching out to me, I know that there is a level of discomfort that they're no longer prepared to deal with. Mm. But I want everybody, no matter how clean or messy or whatever the house is in, the message I want to get through to everybody is that your home is a tool and it's probably an untapped tool. And it's a tool for reducing your stress and overwhelm and for increasing calm. So if you say to me, Tanya, I feel this way about my house because, and if you're unhappy about it, then I tell you how you can do something about it. But if you're not unhappy about it, that's not a problem. It's all about how you connect to your home and what you want for yourself and your family and how you're modeling behavior for your kids. Because I'm one of my key focuses, my key niches is actually decluttering with kids and how we teach mm. kids about things and manage their spaces and be a part of managing the household space and where does money come from that pays for the things and then where do the things come from well that's that's a petrochemical you know product that's been come from the ground and is not going to decompose for thousands of years these are all conversations we need to have right now with our kids Mm. so that they become adults that are capable and conscious so you know it's all about you your house and what you need from it not cover of a magazine no, no, my house will never be the cover yeah. of the shame, shame comes up for women, I think, more quick, more than men. It definitely exists for men, but I think mm. women tend to be a little bit more in that space. And it comes up for us as women, as parents, as um, um, and in business. Mm. So I think that if you can understand the role that shame plays in holding you back in business and then in other areas of your life too, it's certainly for me that that knowledge from Brene Brown has allowed me to let go so much stuff that was holding me down and that's a gift that I would want every woman in business to have. Fabulous. Thank you. I'll have to read it. Daring greatly, but she's got like, I don't know, six, seven books. She does have a lot. Every one of them is worth reading Um, and she's got another one coming out soon, which I've already, I've pre-bought. It has not even available and I've already bought it. So (laughs) is that good? I have to, um, I'm, I'm a fiction reader. 
not a non-fiction reader. But. Really? I'm the opposite. I've not, I, I went away to the snow um, and there was no reception and I didn't bring a book and my husband had a Kindle. And so I read my first fiction novel in about 20 years at the snow over two nights in front of the flight, which was very nice. But for me, if I'm reading, I'm reading to expand my skill set and my knowledge. It's all self-development or it's something for my client's benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I, it, it, reading nonfiction for me puts me to the workspace. Yeah. And then I can't relax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get and it. And I'm like, fruh, 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 brain. My brain doesn't need any encouragement. <laughs> so you've talked about your online group with the. Your, so I was going to ask how you maintain your sense of community while ah. working alone. Are you, they're international professional organisers. Yeah. So the Institute of Professional Organisers, which is like, it's not a governing body. That, um, we don't have necessarily like legislation that we have to stick to or anything like that, but it is, it's the body where we've all come together and we strive for best practice and we have information sharing and upskilling and there's courses and um, you know, I think it's for those that are really serious about the kind of work that we do um, uh, in here. And, and we have some amazing, intelligent leaders. Oh, these women are absolutely brilliant. So that's an important way that I stay connected. I also have a mastermind group. You mentioned Chris, you know, Chris yeah. is my mastermind group. Um, there are four of us. We get together quarterly and we just let it all hang out. Like we just, what's working, what's not working, what do we need to, you know, lovingly kick each other up the butt about um, we call each other out on BS. Um, there's probably a lot of swearing um, in a loving way, you know. There's no name calling or anything like that, but it's like, you know, what is this BS that's going on with you? Mm. You know, it's very real, it's very raw, it's very beautiful. And I love these women deeply, and they've been instrumental in, in helping me move forwards. So, yeah, without, without them, I don't know where I'd be. So, they're like my sisters, they're my girls. Um, so I have that. And then of course I lead my own group, which yeah. is the motivating mindful homes with interior philosophy group where I'm the leader, um, and encouraging people to create meaningful change in their home. And I'm in that space a lot. Um, they're probably my key places. Um, it's more online than anything. I think mm. I stay connected online. Um, but then so many women I do know are in business. So we like to have those conversations when we get together about about business about because I have I try and have conversations with my husband about business yeah. my business and he goes oh that's great darling yeah, don't get it doesn't get it no that's okay which is fine yeah. because I shouldn't expect him to get it but at the same time when you're like us and you yeah. just have your your world that you occupy where it's you go to school pick up and you sit at you know you're at home with your family and that's sort of it because we don't have the, I don't have the morning coffee run, you know, with the school mums. I don't go to the gym. I don't do those external things where people do find those other women um, to connect with. It's, it's really different and especially finding other women who are in business, which is why, you know, finding the people who are around here like you and Christine and these, all these interesting women who are around here and that's, you know, part of the reason I wanted to tell these stories yeah. was to show all these women that you can create this community online, yeah. you know, if you're feeling isolated. Because we live in small towns. My town is significantly smaller than yours. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's not far away. But you can, you can find other like-minded people online. You've just got to kind of hang out where they're hanging out and, and work out what works for you 
format-wise and, and where, where, you, you, where your people are. So You know your people when you see them too. Like it, it's a couple of sentences in and you're using the same sort of lingo or you have the same reference points or the language you're using is the same. You're like, hold on, this is someone like Hello. And I found my people. <laughs> I'm constantly thrilled at how many proactive capable women are out here regionally mm. doing amazing things because I do feel like our regional location is an extra level of complexity mm. and challenge that we need to overcome. But as I said, I believe that challenge has actually meant that I've shown up better in my business and gone further than I would have otherwise. So I always like to see a challenge as a positive not a name. Yeah, me too. I'm the eternal optimist. Yeah. <laughs> so you've talked about how you change people's lives. So so is there a, a nugget you can give us that's what's your why, what keeps you motivated? Apart from your little voice. Uh, I, you know, I've been in so many homes. I've seen everything. You cannot shock me. The, the home that is significantly under clutter gets me excited because I know the potential that is waiting for that person to grab with two hands. So when I see people in distress, which is not something that I want, um, knowing very deep and firmly that where they are and where they want to be, you know, there's a big gap, but the result is going to be so hugely positive and transformational that for me is worth showing up for every single day. And when I do go into people's homes, I know that I have a knowledge base that is going to just change their lives. You know, and, and every home is so different and what every person needs from their home is very, very different. But there are some 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 core truths that remain the same. And when you know, when we when we start in business, we're taught, you know, we need to have an elevator pitch, we need to know our why. And I get that. It's taken me about four years to work out what that is. I've had to try on different hats. What is my why? Trying it on. Trying to dig through all my thoughts and my feelings and boil it down. It's actually not easy to do. No. In a way that you can encapsulate it into a sentence or two that will get people's attention and they actually get what you're saying because often we use words that kind of sound good, but then people are like, but what does that actually mean? Mm. What does that mean? Um, and it's only just been the last six months that I've just realized that coming at it from this is your tool, it's an untapped resource, it's your place in the world and you can create amazing change, reduce your stress, not overwhelm, increase your calm, increase your connection all through your home and bringing consciousness into that. That's really now what it's come down to after trying on so many different versions of what that looks like you know and I can probably still say it in a more efficient way and that's something I'll always work on and I think my business will continue to evolve as I work with more people mm. and spend more time in those homes and in those conversations um, learning more and more about the nuances of the issues that people are, are having in their homes that I can deliver even better quality but yeah this is it this is me for life some version of what I'm doing now I don't even think I'll retire I'll be 90 <laughs> They'll be dragging me out of people's homes. I'll still be trying to get me on the stage. I want to talk to the people. <laughs> the people need me. They need me. They need to hear this message. And I think everything I do is underpinned with um, environmental sustainability. Everything. Yeah. And there's been no time in now that that's not more important. No. 
you know, we've been marching in the wrong direction for a really long time. You know, and, and one of the, you know, when we did cluttering, there are two decisions that have to be made. What do I want it and what do I do with it? And the what do I do with it is a huge problem. And it's mm. what keeps people locked in, not taking action, because they could make the decision that they don't know, you know, I don't want it, but I don't want to send it to landfill. And what are my options? Or do I, oh, what do I do with it? And so that's a big piece of the work that I do with people. Um, and so I keep as much out of landfill as I possibly can. So not only do I feel like I'm connected to my core purpose in terms of helping people in their homes, but I also have an influence on environmental impact locally. And that's actually really important to me as well. So every, everything I believe in and want to do is all intersecting in the same space. How rewarding. Amazing, right? Amazing. I lucky. I feel lucky that I've, I've got my thing. I know, and I'm doing my thing. Yeah. And not everyone gets to do their thing. No, so. I know. <sighs> and breathe. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited now. Um, I'm going to go off and declutter my home. <laughs> so what are your top tips? You can pick any number you like. For all the gorgeous, smart women in business across Australia to have a happy life in business. Ask for what you need and ask for what you want. Um, whether that's from your partner, your friends, go out and try and find a mentor if you can. Um, remember that when you show up as the best version of yourself, then you are the best partner and parent and friend. And it's okay to ask for them for support and help and, and name what you want. That mm -hmm. is okay. So don't put yourself last. Put yourself first. That's not selfish. That's smart because um, then you can do everything better and ask for what you want. Um, it's amazing how people will show up and support you. Don't assume that they won't. Absolutely. I think, I think, yeah, giving ourselves permission for us for what we want is really, really important. Talk to people. Talk to your potential target market and understand who they really are. Talk to your friends and family. But don't take advice. If you give something to a friend and you say, what do you reckon is this there any good? They've got to say yes, right? You need a more objective audience. <laughs> you need people that actually don't really know you, um, that are right in your demographic um, to yeah. get feedback. That's important. Your mum's always going to be proud of you, so no. probably don't ask her. No. You could just do a crayon drawing and she'd be like, oh, my God, that's awesome. You're so amazing. You're so creative. <laughs> Um, but yeah, for happiness, I think happiness in business is that is communication and ask for what you want, and it's okay to put yourself first. Fabulous! Thank you, Tanya. That was inspiring. I'm glad. I'm happy to have had this conversation, hanging out with you online. Yeah, how amazing! So, thank you, Tanya. I'll put all the links to Tanya's website and any other things we've mentioned um, that like the KonMari book and all the other things that you might find useful um, in the show notes. So thank you so much for your time, Tanya. Pleasure. Thanks, Jane. I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Bye.